30 years ago, Joanna, Doug, and I met at the University of Virginia's Darden Business School. Now, after years of experiences, we are visiting with our classmates to ask, if you could have a beer with your younger self right after graduating with your MBA, what were the key decision points in your career path? What advice would you provide? And what are the stories behind the lessons? Charles has an expansive career in financial services, beginning in investment banking and private equity after graduating from Darden. In 2003, Charles set out on his own to found Trestle Capital Partners based in Raleigh, North Carolina. In our discussion, Charles spoke to the personal challenges that many business owners have in selling their companies, companies they often founded or have served in an executive capacity for decades. Charles explained that often the real motives and desires that sellers have are unspoken and may take some patient trust building to get these to the surface. Please join me in welcoming Charles Shook. Prompt is, uh, you know, if you could go back in time and have a beer with yourself, um, graduating as you graduated from Darden, you know, what would you tell yourself? What are the key learnings? What are the key decision points? And and how have you been happy and successful? Oh gosh. Um. So I'll I'll just start and. Uh, you guys chime in and and and, and ask follow-on questions like uh, uh, like any good Darden professor would do in a case study, right? Absolutely. Um, I, I think the you know pr- probably w- one central sort of piece of advice if I were having a beer with with that guy would be um, uh, uh, really appreciating the fact that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Mm. Um, I, I just remember being so hell bent to get a job, uh, in either investment banking, um, or, or consulting, um, and, and really just was barely looking over the tip of my skis in the process of doing that. And, um, you know, with, as you get older and, and you, you, you gain experience, you know, uh, all, all sorts of ways. You, you, you realize that the Darden arms you with an, uh, an amazing set of tools, but you don't know how to swing the hammer very well when you come out of Darden. And, and it just takes some, some time uh, to, to, to figure, you know, to, to sort of figure all of that out. Um, we, we had a client um, uh, a while back, six or seven years ago, we we sold the business to to Accenture, but it's the only client I've ever had. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a, a cold. Um, that had a chief culture officer, um, and he was just he was just the the coolest guy in the world. He was like, um, you know, the the dude in the big Lebowski meet, meets uh, you know Darden Business School, right? And and he he told me while we were working on the project, he knows the central thing in life is to figure out what are my gifts and who are my people? Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, if, if you were asked to ask me that question in, in the spring of 1994, I could tell you I could run a model. Okay. But I surely couldn't tell you anything more than that or sort of who, who my, my, my people were. So that, that's sort of one for me, which is you just, and, and I apologize, Fletcher, cause this is a Nick Saban reference. You just sort of have to trust the process. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, find a good job, find one that you think that you'll like, 
but but realize that very few of us, I'm, I'm sure there's some, uh, are in the same job that we were in when we first got out of DART. And, mm-hmm. and you end up sort of slowly but surely figuring out what your gifts and your strengths are and what you really like to do along with, you know, every, everything else that sort of comes along with, 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 with life and, and evolution, you know. Charles, do you think the, the, you know, that I think that's, God, that's such an important point about, you know, figuring out your strengths and um, as well as, you know, finding your people. Um, how, how do you think that that process occurs? Do you think it's just, you think it's just time, you know, do doing enough things and figuring out what you're good at, and, you know, seeing yourself relative to other people and, and what you like, or what are your thoughts yeah. there? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, probably another piece of advice, it's, it's not a novel concept, but, you know, not, not being afraid to fail. I mean, you, you know, there's, there's a, probably one or two standard deviation of our classmates and I'm included in the standard deviations are kind of, you know, coming out of of Darden with a very traditional job, you you know, as opposed to really stretching a little bit and doing something that's a little non-conforming. And, and, and again, this was pre Darden. uh, But when I got out of Chapel Hill, I got a job with a boutique management consulting firm um, and somehow, some way I convinced them to defer my matriculation for a year. Mm. And I bought an around the world plane ticket, which again, I don't even know if they still sell these things anymore for, <laughs> but for less than $3,000, I went from Miami to Europe, you know, a few places in Europe, went down to Kenya, did a 10 week Knowles course in Kenya and then finished up going through India, Southeast Asia, Japan, Hong Kong, Hawaii, LA, back home. I, I wouldn't trade that for the world, right? Uh, it, it was just such a, a tremendous experience. And, um, you know, having the, you know, whatever it is, just the, you know, the courage to sort of not go straight into fill in the blank. Um, uh, you know, the training program w- was, was fantastic, but I also think it applies you know, in the, in the post garden world, you know, whether it's starting a company like, you know, Tom did or, um, or, or whatnot. So, you know, don't, don't be afraid to fail. You know, the other thing is, 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 you know, you're going to get thrown some, some pretty significant curveballs um, that, that sort of come from all directions. It can come from within your pre- you know, professional life or elsewhere. Um, you know, Tom, you mentioned something about transitions, um, uh, my father-in-law, Kristen's dad, died just after we got married. Um, so we were just a, a year out of business school um, when he when he passed away. And so we we ultimately, uh, you know, uh, you know, in 2000, decided to move back to North Carolina where her mom was, and that was sort of the catalyst for leaving a you know private equity job and and setting up my own shop, which has ended up being great. It's just it's been fantastic, but you know, you got to learn she how wanted, to, Kristen wanted to move back to, to where her mom was. In yeah. Carolina. I mean, there, there, there was, there were some other reasons as well, but I mean, that was one of the, the sort of transition points was, you know, um, and, and my mom was in North Carolina as well. So it's like, are we, are we going to, you know, continue to, to, to stay, uh, you know, because private equity is sort of a long tail business. Um, and, and right out of Darden, those six years between, 
94 and 2000. Where were you in New York or where were you? No, I, uh, you may remember there was a, a darn guy that was class of 93 named Scott Garfinkel. And he went to work for Morgan Keegan. Um, and so I ended up at Morgan Keegan. Wilbur Ellis ended up there. Um, uh, Tim Gatzlis ended up there after a couple of years at Raymond James with our uh, you know, all of our other classmates ended up Raymond James. So was it was Memphis. You guys were in Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, yep. it was Memphis. Um, and, and then, um, there's a kind of a Forbes 400 family in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, the Harbert family, H A R B R T. Uh, Mr. Harbert won a few thousand dollars, uh, shooting dice on the troop ship coming back from the battle of the bulge. Uh, put that money in his bank account, finished his engineering degree at Auburn, um, got out, built a bridge as a superintendent working for someone else and said, I can do this and took his poker winnings out of the bank, started a company in like 48 or 49 um, and made a billion dollars roughly between then and 1990 in construction and coal mining and power generation and all these sort of heavy industry type of businesses. But he was a great builder and buyer of businesses. He wasn't a great operator of businesses. And so his son convinced him that, that we have hundreds of millions of dollars of family capital tied up in businesses that were kind of earning long bond rates of return on equity. And that's not great. So they morphed the business into sort of an asset management platform that managed money, not only for the family, but for third party institutional investors, endowments, foundations, et cetera. Um, before I got there, they raised a real estate fund. They were very successful power investors. They, they, they built and owned independent power plants. And, and I ran their first sort of standalone pri private equity fund. So that was the two things I did after Darden before moving back to, to North Carolina. Mm. Well, that's that's interesting. That so that was was that your first job coming out of Darden was starting up that project. Morgan, Morgan Keegan was first. Oh, then I went okay. from then I went from Memphis to Birmingham. Got it. Which you know is, is my hometown, and it's one. Well, I certainly knew who the Harberts were. I just didn't know anybody there, uh, but got connected through a Morgan Keegan contact, and we hit it off, and ultimately got recruited. So. Got it. Got it. And then when you moved up, when you moved up to Carolina, did you stay with them or did you start another? No, I, 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 uh, I, I hung out a shingle and, and, uh, I had a, a classmate from Chapel Hill that was, uh, one of the early, uh, folks at Green Hill, uh, you know, big, you know, it's now publicly traded, but at the time it was a sort of a boutique, uh, M&A shop. And a guy from their first analyst class had come back to Keenan Flagler um, and just didn't want to go back to New York. And he introduced me to, to this guy named Andy Kell. And uh, Andy joined me right out of business school. And we, we've been together ever since. So we have this boutique M&A shop called Trussell Capital Partners. So, Joanne, don't, don't, don't we want to just sort of dig in and find out all about that transition well, in 2000 yeah, and I get family I've done that transition folks do it all the time um and um you've owned your own business you uh now I see you're also a co-founder of something Udu Inc 
Yeah, so that's, that's another uh, transition. That, so that, like that. that that's a that's a very gener generous title bestowed on me by uh, the real founder, who was a former uh, uh, client of ours. And you know, that's been one of the cool uh, experiences when you when you run a small shop and you're not trying to you know sort of compete with the with the big boys. You you really have an opportunity to be not quite as transactional uh, in a in a business that's sort of by definition very transactional, and so. We've ended up doing a lot of work with clients multiple times. Um, sometimes it's a couple of M&A deals. In this particular case, it's a software client. We became great friends and uh, sold a previous business of theirs to Lockheed, and they restarted um, uh, a new sort of interesting sort of AI machine learning-ish business. Um, and, and, and again, full disclosure, I don't know a lot about software as Tom knows. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we helped him get going and the business is, is accelerating nicely after some fits and starts. And, and so, yeah, but the t t technically he calls me a co-founder. I would, that's, it's small font, uh, all lowercase. Hey, um, take it. It sounds yeah. really good. I'm, and, and, and I, what I, what I'm curious, your transitions, it seems like you've stayed within kind of the, the the southern region, North Carolina, but like there seems to be times in your life where you're 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 moving on to the next adventure because we've talked to folks that stayed in one firm for quite a while right. and then ventured out, right? Or said, "My God, I've had enough." You know, I need to work with a different crew of human beings that aren't sharks and attacking me all the time. So, like. I'm curious, like how those transitions, I've heard relationships and connections with people. So from that perspective, I'm curious how yeah, that, you, how you it, made them. Yeah, that, that transition in 2000, you know, you left sort of the uh, a standard, you know, uh, you, you left a firm and moved up to Carolina and started a business and, you know, you moved the family and then you had sort of the, the, taking care of your, your mother-in-law, all that kind of stuff that, that must've been a challenging couple well, of years. And, and, and then, and then on top of that, Kristen was pregnant with Pascal and, um, oh, yeah, I, those I, things I'm, happening. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not making this up. Pascal's original due date per the OBGYN was 9-11, 2001. <laughs> and, and so 9-11 happens and, you know, God bless Kristen. She just went total sort of Jedi master and said, I'm not having this baby for two or three weeks. Um, and, and he wasn't born until the 26th with all the insanity going on there right after, right after nine 11. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess, um, uh, I, yeah, how, I did, you, how did you navigate that, that time? I mean, you know, who did you lean on and, you know, how did you pull that off? Yeah, so we 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 do have some other family uh, up here, and and I and you know having gone to Chapel Hill, you know Kristen is a Raleigh native, but tons of uh, of friends up here, um, and you, you know we had you know great great relationships just from school, our church, you know stuff like that. Um, and it was, it was a little scary. And, and, and again, I, I don't consider myself sort of a textbook entrepreneur, right? Um, I, I don't wear the black t-shirt. I don't know how to code, even though I've started my current business and we, we have a couple of, of investments and in, in software companies like you do. Um, but I just, 
um, I just had this confidence that I was never going to starve because you can figure out a way to go back to what you did, you know, previously somehow, some way and, and sort of make ends meet. So, um, but it's no small feat to have your own business for over 19 years. Well, and, and I appreciate you saying that, Joanna, because it, it was scary. But, you know, for me personally, um, I was really blown away by uh, in the early days by the number of people you would sit down and have, you know, you, our, our business, because we're, we're a boutique, is all about referrals. So we, we, we live off of lawyers and accountants and, and some consultants. Uh, and, and after a few successful deals, you know, former clients. Oh, cool. Yeah. Sorry, I'm so sorry. And 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 the um uh but when you're getting started, you know, if someone knew you, they would say, What can I do to help? And I bet I had two or three dozen of those types of lunches or or meetings or cups of coffees. And I, I was just really pleasantly surprised that if if you're genuine and sincere and you you tell people that you think you can do a good job for one of their clients and, and, you know, again, in the market that we play in, which is in that sort of 10, 20 to a hundred million dollar transaction size, uh, where most of our clients don't have any institutional money. Um, it's, uh, an individual, it's a group of founders, family, you know, they've started business, they buy business when and then you just, the formula is, how many years in the oven, 15, 20, 25, um, industry, but all of a sudden they're in, you know, typically in their fifties or sixties and it's, they're rethinking their life. And, you know, they built the business, they created the value. We're just sort of the midwife to use a, a, a term, but they don't know a whole lot about how to execute M and A deals. And, you know, um, you know, thank, thank God the Harris Williams of the world have gotten bigger because it allows, you know, the boutiques like us to, to do a great job for our client. Um, and, and not have a ton of competition. We, we currently, you know, clearly compete with folks from time to time, but um, I was just, you know, really pleasantly surprised at the number of people willing to help. It didn't take us very long uh, to get our first client. Um, we had other relationships from our prior lives. And so we don't work just locally. I mean, I had a conference call today with the client in Dallas. We've done two or three things for over time. So we, we do get on a plane and, and move around a little bit. Um, but you know, once we realized that it wasn't going to blow up like the shuttle challenger, it was, it was great. You know, how were those, how were those first, first couple of two or three years, you know, before, how long did it take before you realized it was, this was going to work, you know, and you could take a little, you could take a little breath. Um, yeah, it, it, um, it probably was our third deal. If I sort of think back on it, um, uh, uh, just because, um, you, you know, selling a business is just, <clears throat> it, it is equal parts, um, a, a psychological transaction and process as it is an economic one. Mm -hmm. And, and everybody sort of really gets wrapped around the axle about, you know, you know, the valuation piece of it, um, and the process piece of it. And, and you have to do all of those things very well. We, we, you know, one of my standard comments to, to clients or prospective clients is um, having a great economic outcome is just table stakes. We, I get that, but tell me what you're really interested in. 
And it takes a while to peel back the onion for people to really come clean on the, the sort of second and third order issues, or at least that's how long it takes to get to them that really aren't second and third order issues. Like um, if a big public company comes and buys us and moves the facility to Texas, that would break my heart because that means 125 people would lose their job. And we've literally had a handful of clients take less money and, and not like a half a percent, like, you know, four or five, six percent because they didn't want the big bad wolf uh, coming in and doing something like that. Um, you, you've got family dynamics frequently. I mean, there's a whole host of things. And so when you realize that you got to be a little bit of Monday morning psychologist with these private business owners, then it, so it takes OB, on a whole the new OB class kicks. Yes, in. exactly. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and, and again, people just have, different priorities and we and and I, and I know this sounds like an, an economist answering but you will frequently hear me and in, in talking to a client you know there's not a wrong right or wrong answer here it's what's important to you you know mm -hmm. um but that's We're, not an easy process for for a lot of people when they've taken again 15 20 25 years and built a business that's you know worth, worth a lot of money so Where'd you learn that piece, you know, that, that ask that psychological, you know, understanding the importance of those, of those psychological um, motives. Did you, did you understand some of that before you went out on your own or did you kind of figure that out uh, through time? Yeah. You know, Fletch, it's interesting you say that. Um, uh, I uh, was actually with a, a boutique strategy firm between UNC and, and, and Darden. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, uh, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but, um, the, the founder of our firm was actually a great, uh, mentor to Zig Ziglar. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I know you're an author now, congratulations. Um, <laughs> but you know, Zig was, was kind of a, a pretty, pretty influential, um, writer, particularly on selling and interpersonal skills. And one of the things that we learned when we parachuted into to a company to, to, to do an engagement was there's all sorts of, of agendas uh, spoken, hidden, and otherwise. And so I, I got a taste of it for don't just take what the, 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 the owners and or the senior management team is telling you sort of mm. verbatim. You got to dig around and root around. So I, I got a healthy dose of that before I got to Darden. Mm -hmm. um, but then you go into a, a world of, you know, sort of traditional investment banking and it's like, all right, we got to get this S1 file to do this, you know, $150 million offering. And you're just, just trying to get, get it done. And then you're just trying to get to the roadshow and you're just trying to get the stock sold because, you know, you got a bonus riding on it at the end of the year. <laughs> um, and I, and I sort of, I didn't forget it, but you sort of have to relearn it when you go back and you start working with, you know, smaller private companies again, but it's been very, very helpful. And I, I think it's one of the reasons why when we hand out um, uh, our, our client, you know, referral list, you know, most of our prospective clients just make a call or two and the, the good housekeeping seal of approval has come, um, uh, come so quickly from, from our really happy clients that, that we tend to get hired at a, pretty, pretty high percentage. Mm -hmm. But again, that's the nature of our, my particular business. It's different than, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the brain surgery argument. Now we tell people all the time, you will find someone cheaper than us, but do you really want to go hire your brain surgeon at Walmart? You know? Right, right, right.
Oh, that's good. That's good. What else, Tom? What are you thinking? I'm I'm sorry. I what I go ahead, you know, Joanna. Um, Charles, I do like organizational change management. Oh, uh, cool. So, what I'm always curious is in this business is there is the deal making, there's the hand holding yep. that goes on, right? So you're there, you're the midwife. Um, there's all the stuff that happens afterwards, the transition, and that's kind of a different different part of the chapter. And I'm curious, um, at what point do you let go? And because there's there's only so much you can do after when you turn the keys over. I'm always curious with you deal guys, like how much nurturing and how much handholding goes on afterwards because that's usually when i'm that's when my job sure. starts, right well it's 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 a great question joanna and and if you bear with me a little bit i'll, I'll take a half a step back um you, you know i i was um you know to be brutally honest probably a little young to be running this fund that i ran for this wealthy family and i obviously couldn't write checks uh, on my own, we had an investment committee process and there were checks and balances. Um, uh, but, um, but nonetheless, I was tasked with managing this small team and running around and looking for, for businesses to buy. And, and again, a, a little bit of my, my sort of Darden uh, training was, you know, once you buy a business, it would be very sort of rote that, that um, post-closing, uh, uh, you would have a monthly reporting package, which every mm -hmm. private equity firm in the world has. And then you would have X number of board meetings per year, which they all do. Um, and, and, um, you know, and, and other than that, it would be more management by exception than anything else. Right. Well, we, we close our first deal. Uh, it's, it's actually a, a business. It was a business based up in Virginia and, and, like five days after the deal closes, the CEO calls him. He goes, Charles, you got a minute. And, you know, an hour and a half later, we had just been talking. I mean, it was all business related stuff, but you start to realize that the, the CEOs of these companies don't have a lot of people that they can really just be completely transparent with, yeah. talk about all of the issues, not just some of the issues because they've got their respective report, CFO, all that stuff. And then, you know, I don't remember precisely, but literally within a couple of weeks, the phone rang again, the same thing happened. And then all of a sudden you realize that as an investor or owner, even though you're managing a fund, you do have an ability to interact with those folks and you do get a lot of those fears and anxieties, you know, hiring and firing decisions, or um, I don't know what to do about this person. They're underperforming, et cetera, et cetera. And literally with each successful successive company that we bought, while working for the Harvard family, a very similar dynamic happened. All of the CEOs and some of the other executives would call at a certain cadence or frequency. And, and I think for just that reason, that, that dealing with, with all of those issues, um, and it's not just the integration challenges, which are huge, but tend to taper. It's just the ongoing challenges of running a growing business. Um, like almost you're coaching them. Yeah, the well, bring the word coaching up there there is a interesting uh sort of quick aside there you know one of my other sort of comments uh to to my 
former self, if I were having a beer with him, was um, d- d- don't don't be afraid of the happy accidents that that happen in your life. Um, it, it is a long, crazy story, and I will try to be brief, but my son signed up for peewee football, um, and there weren't enough coaches. I get drafted to, to be a football coach. Um, we, we had this really nice run in, in, in sort of youth football. I retired. The local middle school principal calls me. And I get recruited to be the middle school head football coach. <laughs> we, we, we get them turned around and go undefeated and win the conference championship. And then he's going to high school and, and there's an existing high school football coach. So now I've retired for the second time <laughs> and they changed the high school football uh, coach out in between my Pascal's eighth and ninth grade year. The new coach comes in, I get a phone call and he drafts me. And so I, I'm, I've probably coached 500 kids. Uh, I, I, I've, I've, so I've, I've been a high school football coach for the last five years after sort of. Oh, uh, who's six, easier to coach? That's yeah. my next question. And let me tell you, if you, if you want to learn <laughs> a real live business lesson on how to manage people, uh-huh. man, man, try managing, you know, uh, 120 JV and varsity public high school kids it is incredibly rewarding but it's uh it's also very uh uh um uh, it's 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 got its lessons learned and challenges along the way so wow. i joke with people all the time i'm i'm, I'm sort of the ted lasso of, of sort of watched oh. up high school coaches in wake county you know that's such a great description i love it Oh, Do you I make the no- shortbread? That's the question. <laughs> so, I so had no you, idea. I had no yeah. idea. That is awesome. It's 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 nuts. Yeah, I've got I've got the full kit, the 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 shirts, the shorts, the sweats, the visor, the whistle, the whole. The whistle. Yard. Oh yeah. man, that's yeah. that's fantastic. You need to send us some pictures, man. We get we got to see we got to see Shook in those shorts with that with that uh, visor and whistle. Uh, this is this is gonna this is gonna go I, in the. I'm, uh, I'm gonna regret doing this, Fletcher, because I think it will not stay on your on your private phone so yeah oh that's fantastic so, oh that's good so charles are you are you now doing more m a transactions or are you running a private equity firm? yeah so so the we're, we're all transactional now okay. Tom. Uh, right. we we tried to you know unbeknownst to us uh we tried to raise a fund we started fundraising just uh two two or three months before the great recession kicked in and okay. so it, it just didn't happen. So we just sort of went back to what we've been doing and just have stuck with it ever since. And so the, what we've done with you do and a couple of other small groups uh, is just sort of on a one-off basis. Um, so. Got it. Got it. So, so, um, um, so when you came up to Carolina, it was to start an M&A firm um, yeah. and you did, and you just kept doing that. Got it. So, um, you know, back to Joanna's question then. So, uh, now that you, you know, after you left, you, you're sort of talking about the time when you were in private equity and being the, 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 the outside ear, the, the, <laughs> the good board member listening to the CEO's, um, hopes and fears. Um, but when you're in the M and a spot, which you've been doing for the past 20 years, you know, how, and, and once that definitive agreement signed, you know, how much are you talking to the, 
to them at that point? Are they all going to, are they mostly going to private, you know, are they family businesses being sold to private equity firms? And, and if so, how much, you know? Yeah. So, so, um, the, the let's let's cover that first time it, it's it's generally one of 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 two things um uh we're we're, we're selling of as we speak we're in the middle of selling a building products distributor to to a public company uh we we closed a deal week before last um in the data center design build space so they don't own them and run them they they design them and build them and do some sort of uh managed services and functional outsourcing for the owners of data centers that was uh, a sale to a, a, a private equity back platform company um so it, it's either selling to private equity for a new platform selling to private equity as an add-on to an existing platform or selling to 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 a, to a public company um and you, you know i would say probably two thirds of our clients um, have just reached that point in their life cycle where they want to monetize all or substantial part of the value of their business, but they're not quite ready to go to the fill in the blank, the mountains, the beach, the golf course, what have you. Um, Occasionally we, you know, we right before COVID started, we had a 71 year old guy, his attorney called us up and said he's five or six years too late in doing this. And again, in that particular case, we found a great private equity firm that had an existing, he, he made uh, replacement parts for all the machines used in poultry processing. So I know more about poultry processing than I would ever care to. Um, uh, but he was able to leave in, in 90 days and, and enjoy his retirement. Most people stick around for a while, mm-hmm. but you know, to your fundamental question, we, we don't have a very natural, role post-closing. I mean, I, you know, we're, we're sort of paid when the deal's done and uh, we, we have a closing dinner to celebrate. We, we make a point just to try to at least check in and, and, and stay in touch. So we'll go out to dinner or lunch or have a drink with, with clients um, and just sort of see how they're doing. But it's, it's the, it, it's that, you know, almost by definition, it's just hard when, when you're transactional as opposed to you have a natural way to to stick with them for X number of years. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, I have found it to be interesting that mostly folks who have gone to business school, not all, but mostly, and, and you guys will correct me if I'm wrong, but we're fairly, um, cold blooded about, um, you know, running the business, uh, when it comes to making, uh, decisions about, you know, when's the right time to sell, or am I going to do this and that sort of thing, you know, we're not going to stab anybody in the back or whatever, you know, we're, you know, always on the up and up and, and, and trying to, you know, get the best overall outcome. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, businesses are tools for making money and you know most people with a business background kind of have i think have 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 that perspective um versus somebody who's who's running the poultry you know that that poultry parts manufacturing guy is probably a machinist he's probably started off making these things himself grew the business learned how to be a manager probably wasn't very good at it you know grew a bunch of people around him you know and is you know their personality they are deeply embedded in their 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 psyche as part of that business right and so 
you know, they say they want to sell, but when you get them up to the altar, they're like, I'm not so sure. I want that, to that's, sell. that's very, that that's very accurate, Tom. And, and I'll add to it in that particular case, huge creature habit, ate lunch at the same place every day. Um, uh, uh, got to the office at the same time, left at the same time. I mean, it was just remarkable. He, but he was the business. Um, and, 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 and again, it, it is that, that adds to the psych, you know, the, the psychotherapist part of, of doing what we do, as opposed to, you know, when you're working for a public company, you're working for an institutional private equity firm and you're hired to sell a business. It's, it's the, there's not a ton of emotion associated with it. You know, it's, it's just go execute. Right. Is, is there anything in your personal life that, that you feel like, uh, you know, in your upbringing, other than you talked about working in that, uh, in that boutique firm in between Chapel Hill and, and Darden, um, that, you know, that you feel like, uh, help helps, helps you be successful doing that, you know, being that psychotherapist for these folks. Yeah. I mean, the pr probably, I mean, I don't think of it a lot in this way, but you know, my folks divorced when I was in second grade. And, you know, that's not a, a radical thing, but, you know, when you start, you know, dealing with all, all of that trauma, having to get on a plane, fly from, you know, the town where you go to school, to Florida, where your dad lives, that probably informs a, a, a fair amount of, of that, you know, cause it's, um, you just realize that it's hard on people, the kids, the parents and everyone involved. Intelligence yeah. Early, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting that you, the three, you all like, well, I'm not going to say you all, I'm Tom, you all are talking about non-emotional and transactional it is. When I think of it, having never done what you guys have done, and maybe because I'm picking up the pieces after some of these things, right, is I don't know how you can turn off the emotion. Is it just because it's purely you're just looking at the numbers? Is it, are you just getting in that mode to get through it? Because there's deadlines. Um, it might, so, that, that, yeah. That so, has a lot of stuff for me. What, what, what toll does it take for you personally, you know? My, when my, when we were running our startup, I, my, my partner was 10 years or it was 10 years older than I, um, super, super bright guy, uh, you know, another couple of standard deviations amongst, you know, above the average Darden folks. So, you know, very, very bright guy had run his own small businesses, could not manage. I love him to death, um, like a brother. Um, but you know, when, whenever we would get in, we would get into some of these decisions, usually people decisions or whatever you start to get all wrapped up and uh, upset about it and you know he would just say what there we have a third partner and the third partner is the business what mm -hmm. decision does the business make and then everything becomes a lot more clear you know what is the right thing for the business and and i always it seemed to me that when you put on that hat or take that perspective then it becomes a lot more clear and the decisions that you you make that were so hard, you know, getting rid of somebody or whatever, you know, they usually at the end of the day, people go, yeah, that was the right decision. And and, you know, that person, you know, moved on to a better role or, you know, just it, 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 it you know, I, 
but you don't come at it from a point of malice. You come at it from a point of, hey, here's the team. We're trying to move the ball forward, you know, and, and let's do it that way. So. And, and Joanna, I'll, I'll jump in one, one more time. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to this sort of data center deal that I mentioned. Uh, th- three owners started the business right out of college in an apartment with a, uh, a three bedroom and apartment and pickup trucks. And all of a sudden, 26, 27 years later, they're, they're all knocking on 50 years old. It is dramatically bigger, really valuable. Um, you know, couple of engineers, so smart guys, pr- probably one of the better um, business in terms of um, business disciplines and processes without having a bunch of MBAs run around there that we've come across. But they're just in a different station in life. And they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of the long weeks. I'm tired of the phone calls in the middle of the night, weekends. Um, we're, again, we're not ready to go to the beach but we, we want to, we want to, you know, make some changes and tune some knobs here. But for them, it was very emotional and they said no to a public company and they said no to a couple other private equity firms and the private equity firm that we ended up selling it to the, the CEO that ran the portfolio company, he was one of them. He was a guy that started pulling cable uh, and doing electrical work with his hands, um, you know, in his late teens who just, you know, grown through the ranks and now runs a, a, a big um, integrated electrical um, sort of contracting and technology services firm. And so I, I, th- I think it's not either or. I just I think there's just a lot of variables. It's not just the money. They care passionately about their employees, but it's you're you're it, it is such a complex decision for these folks that, you know, 15, 20, 25 years later, it's just worth a lot of money. And, and, and then, you know, you put your finance hat on and, you know, they may have some money in a brokerage account, but if you've got a business that's worth, you know, pick your number, 50 million bucks and, you know, two owners own it, you, you have a lot of wealth tied up in a single illiquid asset and you start worrying about that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That's, I like the third person in the room. I may use that. Um, yeah. That's really helpful to kind of put it. It's a form of compartmentalizing. Yeah, that's, um, it's a defense mechanism for sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. To just kind of put it and and stabilize everybody in a way that you can move forward. Mm. Um, and and Joanne, you, I'll, I, I'll tell me to shut up if I need to. But um, no, 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 no. One of one of the things that we are sort of witnesses to m- more times than not are the big company meetings where the deal is announced. Right. Yeah. And that 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 is one of the most single anxiety catalysts for our clients, because they have this fear that um, that the employees are just going to panic. Right. And they're just going to you know run for the hills uh, and and have an adverse reaction, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I, I literally say versions of this every time we've done dozens of these. Um, the, the, the times where we've seen, um, an employee, uh, uh, react adversely is, is literally on one hand. Does that mean they don't have anxiety? They all have anxiety, but if you've picked a great partner and that's part of what we try to help them do, um, that great partner is going to be able to come in and say basically the same things. We are fill in the blank. 
public company, private equity firm. Um, we're here to grow the business. We're not here to cut jobs. We have a great track record of doing it. Um, by the way, um, the, the people that you've been reporting to, they're not leaving. They've signed employment agreements. Um, and uh, even though it still has issues and challenges, um, people literally come up to our clients and say, congratulations, you've done so good by me as an employee for 12 years. And I know y'all, you know, and, and so it, I'm always pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. at how smooth, you know, and again, there's three or four exceptions over the years to that, but it's really teeny tiny. Well, it you know? sounds like you pick good clients too. Yeah. Right. Now that's different than what happens six months post-closing or three months post-closing mm-hmm. where occasionally a, a company will go in and start changing things for the worse. Mm. Um, but at least on that sort of day of announcement, our clients are scared to death that it's just not going to go well. And it, and it always goes very well. Mm-hmm. Charles, Charles, I got a question for you. Um, I would imagine um, that, you know, your business is, is heavily influenced by the macro, you know, uh, economic environment. And it's probably reasonably cyclical. You know, there's periods when there's a lot of deals being done because the environment's, you know, great for it. And, you know, there's times maybe when, you know, less people are selling or buying for a variety of reasons. We're going through some interesting times right now with, you know, we haven't seen in a while with, you know, with, with inflation and rising interest rates and, you know, and a tight labor market and all these things. What, what's, what's the current macro environment doing, doing to your industry? Yeah. So, you know, a couple of answers. We, we don't do enough deals a year. I mean, you know, you know, call, call Turner at Harris Williams. I mean, they do dozens and dozens and they, they really have a significant sort of statistical sample, but you know, here, here are a couple of comments. Um, uh, you know, I was concerned when the, when the war in Ukraine started, you just never know what that does to people. You know, we got inflation and inflation is messing up, uh, the financial statements of some of our clients like we have a, a client we're going to bring to market, but it's now probably been pushed back to next year because of the steel price increases in his products have, have gummed up his margins and he's got to pass it along to customers and get his EBITDA back to where it should be. Um, but we have two deals under LOI right now. Um, uh, one's a, a HR SaaS business. One of them's the building products distributor I mentioned. Those deals, uh, all indications are they're going to close. No one's getting sort of wobbly need. Um, What will be interesting is when we sort of price our next deal, Um, you know, valuation and terms and structure tends to be the the clearing mechanism for a lot of this stuff. It it rarely goes to zero. I mean, we we slowed down for four or five months during COVID, but, but after the 4th of July in 2020, we were back in business. So, and, and that's just a function of the supply of capital that's on the sidelines. So, mm-hmm. y- yes, we've had a handful of cyclical. I mean, that, you know, the Great Recession for us was a bit of a delayed recession. We had, you know, clients that we were closing, but later in 2009, we we slowed way down for a little bit. Um, but but you know, the 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 interesting thing, and you know, check check in with me, you know six months from now, after we, after we price another couple of deals 
and all of a sudden you're getting, you know, six times EBITDA pricing is what used to be eight, nine times or 10 times EBITDA pricing, then that will be my sort of canary in the coal mine that uh, pe- people are using valuation and, and terms and structure to uh, signal their concern about, you know, the mm-hmm. macro environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How long does it, how long does it take typically to sell a business? Like you sign the, you sign the paperwork today and you know, you're in, you're in charge of, you know, selling the business. How, how long does it take on average? Yeah. It, the, the, the sort of pat answer is it, it takes us about a month to, from signing a, an engagement to being ready to hit the market with all the materials prepared. It, it takes six to eight weeks to sort of market the business and then another six to eight weeks to actually go from sign letter of intent to closing. There, there are things that can speed that up or delay it, but that's, that's a super quick answer. So a few, a few months typically. Yeah. yeah it's okay. three to four months. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. And if, if you're looking at a, a company uh, and you're selling it to a private equity firm that is not putting it onto a platform, but using it as a new platform, I yep. got I to gotta imagine that, that that sales process is a little bit more challenging. Then. It, 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 it is um, only because the, 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 the PE firm is really trying to make sure that uh, their, their investment thesis, you know, is really is sound. Um, and, and that's not only the business, but, you know, the industry, the competitive set, but also the, the management team that they're backing. If, the, if they're backing um, our management team as opposed to someone they're parachuting in. Um, we, we see a lot more subject matter experts these days than we ever have. I mean, it's gone from, you know, used to be just the accounting folks doing the quality of earnings analysis. And now, you know, we've, we've had, you know, Bain and other consulting firms actually doing due diligence um, uh, strategy sort of due diligence as, as a work stream and in a, in a private equity led deal. So, they're leaning on those folks in addition to just sort of doing their own work these days, a, a fair amount. It's not on every deal. Um, what kind of dollar value do you have to get to before they start showing up? Yeah, that's a good question. The, the, when we had the Bain folks, that was a $75 million deal. Um, but, but again, it, it's not always a, a big firm. Sometimes it's a, um, a consultant, you know, a for, you know, someone that's, retired at age 60, but wants to uh, do some work for a private equity firm. So they'll put them in their stable of uh, industry experts and, and parachute them in. But, um, you know, the, 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 the good old days of sort of eat what you kill private equity are, are long gone where, you know, general partners would go find their deals, do their own deals, sit on their own boards of directors is, you know, it's now, a much more, um, much more functional, um, uh, sort of division of labor within the firm. Um, and, and, uh, and, a, and a lot of, uh, third parties, uh, on, on the diligence front these days. The MBAs have MBA themselves. <laughs> they have. Yes. <laughs> so, Hey, we're, 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 we're rapidly drawing down on the uh on the hour time frame i uh you know we started out charles talking a, you know a little bit um you know before we dived into you know the 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 discussions on your career about the empty nest and and how you and Kristen are now you know uh you know your kids are your kids are off doing adulting things um so 
talk us through like the next phase of your life how, or y'all's life. How, how long are y'all going to, you know, how long are you going to keep doing this? And, and what are you looking forward to kind of in the next chapter for these, uh, for these coming years? Yeah, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of like what I'm doing, uh, you know, but um, uh, we're, we're going to start traveling some more. Um, uh, I, 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 I know it sounds a little corny, but, uh, this coaching thing is really something I enjoy. I knew, so, um, so, so, uh, so, so in, in very loose terms, uh, one of my partners in crime is essentially the beard and Ted Lasso and I'm kind of the Ted Lasso character. So we're, we're going to go find a, uh, it, one of the great things about the way we did it was we walked with the same couple of grades for 11 years. And we're, oh. you know, in, in another year or two, we're going to go find another pop Warner team and run, run with them for another oh, 10 years. Cool. So, uh, oh, that's cool. and, I knew it. And, you know, so we're, we're going to start traveling some more. Uh, we're going to London and Ireland this summer and, you know, we're going to start, you know, I, I can work uh, not literally anywhere, but um, I, I spoke to Tom, uh, when we were getting this set up and he said that he, he and Naomi were going to be in New York. So, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, go, go get Airbnb in New York or go somewhere else and, and splash down for a month or six weeks and then come back. So we're going to do stuff like that. So that sounds great. I just, I'm excited because I just watched your energy change and everything. I always like to see or hear that. I know we get to see you, but even when someone gets into like a topic. And when you said that, I was like, Oh, I hope he says it's coaching. I hope he says it's coaching. Well, I sent Fletcher. Did you get the picture? My phone is in the kitchen. I'll, I'll let, I'll, let me go get yeah. it. I'll be, I'll be right I, back. I, I, I sent you a, a picture just so you know, it's not, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not and a I, figment of my and imagination I know going over, but I can tell you this. I had, I, I had coaches in my life that transformed my life. So I, I think it's great and I've watched it in my kids and I've seen transformations in that. So it's, it's a beautiful um, path to be on, especially if you love it that much. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, and, and, and that's the, that's really, I mean, the, the, win the winning is great. Um, you know, we're oh. all competitive people, oh but watch my. it. What a, oh gosh. <laughs> that's like that's awesome. Night, what is it? Friday so. night lights. That looks like something out of that. <laughs> yeah, there you right? go. That's awesome. So. That's wonderful. Well, I'll tell you here where I live, this team could use some help on the on, right. on Bainbridge Island. I, I'm available. I'll, so, I'll shoot you my agent's uh, digits, okay? It's not a bad area. Just come here, you know, when it's like not raining, which is the summer, start recruiting, do some training. So, yeah, uh, that's good stuff. All right. Well, hey, Charles. Right, I thank you so much. This was yeah, awesome. this has been fun. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, it, it's great to, to, to see everybody and thanks a million for, uh, for reaching out. Oh my out. gosh. Our pleasure. This, yeah. was, this, this was so much fun. We were grateful for your time and, um, please tell Kristen, we, uh, we said hello. I will. I will. We, uh, we, we, we hope to see all you guys soon.